Today's episode is sponsored by the Florida Brewers Guild 2020 Craft Beer Festival on Saturday, March 7th. Join the Florida Brewers Guild for their annual event and enjoy over 300 beers from over 70 Florida breweries at Perry Harvey Senior Park in beautiful downtown Tampa, Florida. Tickets start at just $45 for general admission, which includes a commemorative glass and unlimited samples from some of Florida's best brewers. Go with a VIP ticket for $65 and get one hour early admission to the festival. Buy yours now by going to unitedwedrink.com slash guildfest. The festival celebrates everything great about the brewing culture of the Sunshine State and is one of our personal favorite festivals of all time. So be sure not to miss this amazing event. Buy your tickets now at unitedwedrink.com slash guildfest. Must be 21 to attend. Enjoy responsibly. The opinions and statements in this podcast do not represent those of the host's employers, co-workers, family, or imaginary friends. Now enjoy the show. Happy hour, more like amateur hour. Welcome to United We Drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast that nine out of ten people will agree exists. Welcome to United We Drink right here on unitedwedrink.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Mikey Revich, and I cannot hang when it comes to going out drinking anymore. I can admit that, and that's okay. I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First is a man who in his early days got his jollies off by wearing a drinking glove to beer fests. Here's Phil Palmasano. Not only did it keep my hand warm and my beer cold, but it was also pretty stylish. <laughs> stylish is debatable. Uh, debatable. Next up is a gentleman that's feelings towards beer fests might be bordering on unhealthy. We have Joel Codner. Uh, I... I feel like we should talk more about this glove. I forgot all about it. <laughs> I found a picture of you, myself, and a person to not be named uh, from Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival the first year I wore the glove. Joel, twenty ten. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I had a. Uh, it was before I even created the one of one Dos Birigo shirt that no one else ever had. Was Was I there at that one? I think you were. I think that was the first day I met you, actually. Like, actually memories hung out, yeah. Memories. <laughs> and now that glove is pinned to someone's wall, right? Yeah, I'm going to bronze it for Justin Clark at Cigar City at some point in time. <laughs> oh. He has, like, a little shrine. He's got that horrible picture of my sister and I hanging on the wall. <laughs> Maybe... Maybe the candles that's something we could share all. with our listeners. Uh, yeah, uh, my proposal photo to my sister. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, Dad. He's got oh. Jobu uh, there, too. Uh, well, thanks, everyone, for uh, continuing to listen and support the show. Uh, we're recording in the morning once again, so I think it's safe to say uh, coffee all around. Not I have exactly. coffee, water, and Lagunitas hop 
hoppy refresher. It's like their hop water. I'm super excited to crack into that at some point in time. But I have a feeling the combination of the three isn't going to sit really well with my stomach. Ah, Phil's going to uh, spend some quality bathroom time after this show. Possibly. I've just got ice water, but I do have these little mini bottles of Malort on standby. I feel like these could kind of be a show thing now where every time I start getting irate about something, I drink one. (laughs) There you go. I like it. Which would be even better if this was a video uh, podcast. Take yeah. your take a screenshot of yourself while you're doing it. So <laughs> we'll send that out to our our listeners. Make sure they they know that you're really doing it. Um, Phil, you want to uh, tell us some news that's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So keep in mind we are a beverage podcast this week. We have a wide range of beverage news, and you know, guys, astronomy is also very important. This past week was a big one for the moon and gravitational pulls. First, people finally figured out that you can stand your broom up uh, and the gravitational force will keep it standing on its own. Did either of you guys try that before I continue? No, No, it it looked like bullshit to me and I was just like, I I didn't even have the time for it. I had a slanted broom and it still did it. My wife was amazed and she demanded that I try it and yeah, whatever. Anyways, apparently, in addition to that, the moon is also messing with the circadian rhythm of coffee plants. Uh, According to an article written from Daily Coffee News, the moonlight is messing with the plant's rest. Uh, Jean-Christophe Brettler, if I mispronounce your name, you don't listen to this podcast, so I don't really care. Um, A (laughs) C-Red geneticist stated that coffee trees see moonlight as a form of stress. Simply put, the more stress equals less fruit. Less fruit equals less coffee. Less coffee equals less United We Drink morning recordings. Gentlemen, what do you think about the moon's week? And, uh, and, and why is the moon just messing with us on Twitter, on Instagram, and our coffee? But, you know, there was once a government project to nuke the moon. And I think we should, I mean, if we're getting back into Space Force or whatever, I, I say we, we start restart this program. Who would start it, Elon Musk or um, our current? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, him. Space <laughs> force. And I mean, what what kind of circadian rhythm does a coffee plant have when it's full of caffeine? Good maybe, question. Maybe we need to uh, set up speakers in the plant fields and blast Wu Tang at uh, at them. That might make them feel better. That was a really throwback beer joke, but I like it. I mean, <laughs> thank that, you for uh, someone, uh, someone getting it. Um, my, my time's up. Coffee beans. <laughs> um, Mike, what do you think? Good week for the moon. Worst week ever uh, for the moon. <laughs> um, they're they're going to be talking about it on VH1. Does VH1 still exist? Or am I? I think s- it does. Dating myself there too. I mean. I've been hearing, I've only been into coffee for probably a year, a little more than a year now. So I don't know a whole lot about what goes into it, but I I know I've heard of like issues with uh, particular crops. There's a lot of shitty ways the, the growers are treated by like their wholesale buyers and all of this stuff that like is causing pricing of coffee to go up and blah, 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 blah. I mean, 
to relate it to something within the industry that I know of, like vanilla has been an astronomical, uh, on an astronomical trajectory of pricing over the last five years. If, if crops like this are, are being impacted by climate change or whatever, um, I I think that it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But when you're talking the vanilla, I mean, the, Typhoons in Madagascar, all of these giant corporations switching to natural products and getting away from extracts to be healthier and everything like just the the demand. It's a harder crop to grow like these are all factors and and like this circadian rhythm from the moon. I mean, it sounds like pseudoscience to me and it it almost feels like just the cynic in me feels like it's market manipulation. I mean, remember like a year ago when they said there was not going to be any more bananas? Uh, I, no. See, like, I do well, remember seeing something referring to that. Yeah, there was this panic like, yeah, we're, we're just not going to have bananas anymore. It's horse shit. I've got like four of them rotting in my kitchen right now. Okay. <laughs> Make it's banana saying, like, like, There's always these fucking like articles to scare everybody and then yeah, that happens. is true i did there's a risk for hashtag team coffee beer with this i mean stressed out coffee plants don't do well for uh coffee beers team coffee beer will survive <laughs> all right moving on to my favorite topic close to heart seltzer i'll i'll catch up with you guys later <laughs> and actually i'm curious to see your thoughts on this one in alignment with our topic this week, the Chicago Tribune reported last week that Chicago would be one of about eight plus stops for a Seltzerland traveling seltzer festival, sort of first of its kind to a degree. Tickets start at $29 and VIP are $49. What the $29 ticket gets you is three hours of unlimited sampling of seltzer and VIP gets you an extra half hour for $20 in a full 12-ounce can of seltzer. Other cities on the stop include Minneapolis, Brooklyn, Seattle, Nashville, Boston, Philly, Denver, and Austin. Personally, very surprised that Miami's not on this list. What do you guys think about seltzer festivals? Austin, Massachusetts? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, they're capitalizing on, on a hip trend, so... I mean. Good for them. Uh, I think it, it was only a matter of time before something like this happened, and maybe this is even a little later than I would have thought with uh, how long seltzer has kind of been a thing by now. The price seems like a really good price. for 29 bucks for pretty much a regular beer fest uh, ticket is unheard of nowadays. So, like, the... The VIP price is around where you're seeing GA prices on most beer fests now. And uh, so I think it's probably something that people can definitely get their money's worth. I can see a number of these being absolute shit shows by the time the three hours are done. Or three and a half uh, for those VIP people. I mean, overall, it's probably a smart business decision. They'll probably do well with it. And... uh yeah. I think we knew this was coming. Everything that people joked about six months ago is coming to fruition, whether it's seltzer festival, pastry seltzers, 
I mean, we're going to see seltzers in a slushy machine in about five minutes. So all all that ridiculous shit that we joke about seems to always come to fruition. And I'm fine with the seltzer festival. I mean, it, it, it seems like an obvious thing at this point, but imagine how dangerously drinkable that is. Like, I feel like this should be a one hour festival. You you run almost zero risk of palate fatigue. It's not like you're just downing sours and imperial stouts and IPAs all day. I mean, th- this is water, and I think it's going to sneak up on people pretty quickly. I think that there is uh, th- the ability to have palate fatigue. I mean, you still have lots of flavor in a lot of these things, and some of them are very sweet. And I think that all uh, that that sugar can wear on your your taste after a while but but in general i do agree that it might that's what i said it could turn into a shit show pretty quick yeah. uh, by the time it's all said and done because these things are lower abv and go down easy so i'm really I, this is one i actually would like to put a bookmark in and revisit uh, maybe in a few months once the uh, initial festivals sort of go off because I'm on the website right now and every city is a little bit different shocker because distribution of product isn't the same across the United States and you do have some local seltzers that will play into it what I'm really curious to see is I believe this was tried last year on a regional level in Orlando Florida specifically and they couldn't sell enough tickets to it so outside of, you know, basically this being a giant tender meetup, I, I don't know if people are going to pay even $29 for all you can drink seltzer. I, I think it would be a very social place. I think it's a great, you know, night out activity, maybe to <clears throat> bring a group of friends or, you know, possibly meet some new people and, you know, sort of treat it as like a bar going experience. But it definitely has the ability to have the wheels fall off and get a little hairy pretty quickly, in my opinion. But just being seltzer, seltzers feels very self-limiting because you're just going to go. It's like, OK, there's 100. It's like how many grapes and watermelons and lime and lemon can I have? It's not like, oh, there's that brewery I like and there's that brewery. and Oh, I want to try that brewery. And, oh, they, you know. Are we are we going to see like time tappings of special seltzers? Or- <laughs> yeah, there's no. I mean, there's no glitter seltzer. There's no like yet. rare seltzer yet. Um, but and and outside of uh, this past week, Evil Twin released some pretty cool flavors on the craft seltzer side. Um, cool is debatable. I well, <laughs> I mean, listen, he he's doing what he does best, right? Um, he he's bringing making people uh, talk. Yeah, and he's bringing his spin to uh, a segment of business that is very, very popular right now. And eventually, we're going to have those rare seltzers that people are trading for um, that are maybe on more of a regional or local level. Right now, they just don't have that like clout, I guess. I'm also looking at the this website right now, and. Uh, like there's only four of the spots that have actually been announced thus far. Uh, but as I go to each one, they, they have some of the uh, people who are or companies that are pouring. And this is, this is, I'm going to go off on a design tangent right here. Whoever did this pretty much took 
logos of these companies, put them into Illustrator, and did the uh, the the free draw thing to turn them into vectors because they are so fucking pixelated, and they they have the weird little um, <clears throat> things that happen when you just throw a. a, a a picture into the live trace of illustrator and then just go, yep, that's good. Like <laughs> it's so bad looking. If these companies are participating, just ask them for a vector of their, their logo and, or a single color high res, uh, PNG. Like there's crazy Asian wild seltzer, which by the way is a terrible name. Yeah. Like this is so bad looking their logo and i would be pissed off that this is the representation that they put my company as on here like the four loco one looks terrible it's spritz uh i kind of like that name even though it's misspelled like it's itz i hate that <laughs> but uh it's this is embarrassing from a design point can oh, you, the design police have arrived, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I was going to say, can you go in and view the source code and tell us, like, you know, if all the HTMLs and everything are good? <laughs> sure, I'll get right. Well, on. this is this is a this episode brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't just to clarify. Squarespace has nothing to do with this episode yet. Well, that's a perfect transition from the design police and seltzers into it is a final. Squarespace site. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked in the code in the source. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, last piece of news. It was a calm Friday night with people waiting in line for their favorite haze can at Other Half Brewery in Brooklyn two weeks ago when a salty seltzer drinker decided to stir up some issues while sipping on his favorite carbonated water beverage. After causing a stir with the patrons in line to buy their beer. The man, which will remain nameless because why would we want to promote some asshat, decided to throw his empty can at a woman in line. This did not go well with the line waiters and several ver verbal confrontations broke out. The nameless man threatened to bring a gun back and shove it in several people's face. Sure, our seltzer sipper was a man of his word and came back <clears throat> with his Glock 19. Luckily, nobody was injured in the incident, and the local police were called. Our bubbly boy quickly found out that there are laws while drinking the claws because pulling a firearm in New York could land this lad a $5,000 fine and possibly four years in prison. Is this the new normal where we actually have to worry about waiting in line because some jackass is going to pull a firearm at people that they just disagree with them, you know, spending their time in line for a four-pack of $18 hazy cans. Uh, Are we for... sure this guy didn't just pull the gun to open the next can of White Claw like everyone's been doing? I mean, maybe that was his can opener. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to uh, talk about Phil's delivery of that story. It was Clunky. very uh, po like poetry jam esque without any like he rhymed some stuff but didn't rhyme other things like I was captivated by this like <laughs> you might have a you might have a future in writing like uh, Dr Seuss esque books about seltzer. Well, I read a lot because of my kid, Dr Seuss. That is not anything else. <laughs> well, it's surprising this wasn't in Florida for one thing. Thank God. Yeah. 
we've had some just shit shows of of you know lines for special releases and I mean, do we know that seen... the guy isn't from Florida because wasn't he an Airbnb like guest? So Which adds a whole other town. layer to does he have a license to carry a firearm in New York? Because that could up his punishment even more. He should talk yeah. to Plaxico Burris about that. <laughs> Mike going way back today. I'm I'm, I'm going way back with my references today. <laughs> you got anything on Joey Buttafuoco? <laughs> Maybe by the end of the show. Speaking of lines, though, did uh, did you guys? I, obviously, this is not the new norm, and we shouldn't have to worry about you know jackasses pulling guns on anyone waiting in line. But did you guys see the uh, the plenty of the younger lines were twenty four hours along? Oh my god! No. First guy got there over twenty four hours before the bottles were released. It just Insanity. seems so unnecessary because like they have a good bit, like it's. Or do they cut off how much they have per day? According to Twitter, they didn't sell out the first day. I saw several reports that there were still bottles available. Obviously, the lines were very, very long, but the limits made sense, and they were able to get the beer to a good number of people, from what I understand. And obviously, they have it on draft. Yeah, the draft has traditionally lasted an entire month. Like that's what they they're always shooting for. Um, they're a smart business. I'm sure that they uh, have made enough of this to really kind of go around and spread the wealth. So I I get there's probably some people who are like I want to be the first one to get the first bottles of of Pliny uh, the younger. So there's those people who you're never going to change their minds about something. But other than that, like. You don't need to line up for that, I feel like. You just go go whatever time you want to go. There's probably going to be a line no matter what because it's just Russian River. Um, so wait till you get in. You'll get it. I, I don't think that there should be a fear of missing out on this unless you're like right at the end of the month. Yeah, the local article I read basically said the gentleman was the first in line for the past X amount of years, and he wanted to make sure that he was the first in line this year. And because the bottles were being released, he wanted to make sure that it was a full 24 hours before the store opened. (laughs) I saw some screenshots of eBay, people trying to get 500 bucks for them, but apparently no one was biting. Uh, Good Good for those people. Like congratulations, we made it to the point where an IPA is fetching that much money on the gray slash black market. It's not fetching it. No one was buying it. Uh, it's it's going for over a hundred bucks. I'm seeing them close for over a hundred dollars. No, well, I, I like Joel was saying, there were the ones for like three to five hundred that were not yeah. selling. And that is it for the news. All right. So, as uh, has been kind of teased throughout the beginning parts of this episode we're going to talk about beer fests today um i'm sure that many of us in the industry not in the industry uh at one point started going to some beer fests when we were getting into beer because it was a great way of trying a bunch of new stuff and uh and in small pours and really just expanding our ability to try stuff about probably 10 years since we've gotten into this, I think we can agree that things have changed considerably, whether good or bad. Um, A lot of things have changed, and I think that we should discuss 
what the beer fest has become and and uh, where it's going is it going in a good direction or or in a negative direction so let's start with a guy who is very opinionated about beer fests uh joel what do you what 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 were some of your first experiences with beer fests and uh we'll go from there well the one that always stands out to me is the one I went to with you guys 10 years ago, Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival. I still feel that's the best one we have down here. And Larry Bell pouring Hop Slam every hour on the hour. Like that was all cool shit. And like you said, they, these festivals were places to try new things or, or you know, um, just, just hang out and, and broaden our horizons, expand our palates, try styles, you know, maybe because it, it was absolutely a beer wasteland here back then. I mean, what, what, maybe one or two breweries, nothing local on shelves, nothing like that. I mean, if, if flying dog came to town in stores, it was a big deal. So, you know, a beer fest was a great place to try more of what we normally couldn't get and all in one place at one time. So it was ideal and they weren't every weekend, you know, now they're, there's like four a week it feels like you know I, I remember going to the I haven't done many since I've been with the brew pub but I remember going to one last year and then I meet up with one of the other brewers and we're shooting the shit and he's like hey are you also pouring at the other one today and I'm like what the fuck what like one town over there's another festival today that's ridiculous so it feels like they become oversaturated we have so many breweries here now and it's it, it just feels like I almost want to stay away from those things at this point. There's a huge difference between working them and attending them. I mean, we can get into all that stuff. And a lot of them, you know, seem to be put on by just these, you know, I mean, you know, it's South Florida, so take it for what it's worth. But there are like opportunists who feel like, oh, this is a trendy thing. People come to this. We'll put one on that, you know, they, they've never done one before and they have no idea how it works. Like the, the last one I did, they were giving everyone 16 ounce pint glasses for their festival cup. I mean, it's horseshit. And it's, and, and like, I even go over to them, like, are you, are you guys serious? Is this just for the brewers or is this for, every oh no, it's for everyone. It's like, holy shit. And you know, they contacted me again about doing it this year. And I was like, fuck you guys. Um, my first experiences with beer festivals were the, uh, I think they were the New Times or whatever New Times was prior. Yep. Back, uh, I I just turned twenty one. They were like downtown Hollywood, and for so it, honestly, it was just a way for me to spend twenty five dollars and get hammered, um, and then taxi home uh, or taxi back to um, Boca, uh, where I was going to college. And I started looking for them, and I started really paying attention to. I think at that point in time, there were only two. But when I started opening my eyes to beer a little bit more, and that was honestly after the first beer festival, because I, I literally thought I was going and drinking Shock Top and Bud Light and uh, Miller Light, and then when I got there and I tried sort of the beers that were around, and at that point in time, we had Holy Mackerel, we had Native, we had Monk, uh, or Inlet Brewing with Monk in the trunk. And there was like Shipyard and a bunch of beers with different flavors. And that was sort of my, like the door cracked for me to get into the industry. Then Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival started up, I want to say it was the same year. And we went up to that and it was just at a different level. And for me, 
those early years of Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival, they were a little bit more intimate. Uh, you were waiting in line, uh, downtown Jupiter, just to get in. And it was just the circle originally. It was a really small area. And you'd walk around and sample out some different beers and have fun and uh, enjoy your drinking gloves. And then they moved it. It grew and they moved it over to just outside of the stadium. But it was really a camaraderie thing for me. Um, it was awesome to meet people like Larry Bell. That was one of the first places that I met Wayne Wambles of Cigar City and Tim Ogden at that point in time of Cigar City. Um, that was the first place I ever had Hunapu. Oatmeal raisin yeah, cookie. Right. Like there were killer yeah, fucking beers that, that we were having, excuse my language, <coughs> that we weren't able to get anywhere else. And it really opened up the industry for me in South Florida as they have progressed and I found my way. I started volunteering shortly after that and poured for brands like um, Narragansett and some other fresh beer at that point in time brands uh you and i poured uh at, summit at that hollywood festival at the the racetrack the horse mm-hmm. track for them before i was pouring brewery uh, and, and i think i poured summit that year or i whatever it was whatever brand it was um it was really fun to go out and talk to people and meet people and i have made some really solid friends uh, acquaintances throughout the years at beer festivals this past year i got to work at uh, jupiter craft brewers festival popped in and it was it was just as much fun as it was the first year for me it's still camaraderie based in my opinion there's still some of the you know original ogs that are coming out but there's too many of them, in my opinion. Uh, it, it seems like everybody's just trying to put their own spin on it. I do like these themed festivals, which hopefully we can talk about. You know, the bourbon, bacon, and beer festivals or the wine, beer, and spirits festival. I like something that's a little bit different than just like, here's your plastic cup, go get drunk. Yeah, and I, I think that that's what is uh, becoming... You have to differentiate yourself a little bit. Oddly enough, I find that Jupiter, uh, one that I'll I'll make it straight across the board that I really enjoy that festival, has oddly been able to stay relatively the same and still be a good time. Like uh, I was pouring at that festival this year too, and it was kind of strange to me just how familiar it all seemed to me. You have practically the same setup every year um you have your silent disco every year in the same spot and everyone seems to still be having a good time they're still packed i mean the 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 complimentary uh or not complimentary uh the the sister festival the the night before field beers still sells out within a couple of hours and that is their way of doing something different but that's been pretty much the same thing for 12 years now too is the the beer and food pairing uh event which is an amazing event as well and uh it it is strange that in this land where just the regular beer fest kind of goes like meh that Jupiter has been able to stay relatively the same and still have uh, a great turnout and, and an enjoyable experience at that. Um, 
I didn't I didn't see any fights over beer uh, at this particular one, which I have seen at some Jupiter events before. But I, I had a good time there and the camaraderie is great. I get to hang out with some friends who I don't get to see very often or just uh, uh, comrades in the industry. And it was great to to see those people um, like the Barrel of Monks guys, uh, Oddbreed, uh, hanging out with Dustin from Saltwater um, uh, you and Francis, uh, and meeting new people. Uh, that's, that's always a great thing too. Joel, what are your favorite beer festivals that you've been to? I, I feel like all of us have sort of traveled as well as done things locally. I think we all agree Jupiter's, you know, one of our favorites between the three of us. Um, I really like the Treasure Coast Beer Festival as well. I think that's a fun one um, and it has grown exponentially throughout the years. Um, but outside of Florida, um, what are your favorite favorite festivals to attend or that you have attended in years past? I'd say the best one outside of Florida that I attended was uh, Saver in D.C. Um, it's, it's really just incredible. I went there in 2011 with a friend of the show, Ed Roberts, and... Uh, you know, it's this this big food and beer pairing, and you know it it can devolve and get a little sloppy like any other festival. I at one point just stopped caring what paired with what, and I was like, yeah, well, I'll more of that cheesecake, and yeah, I'll have some of that. What, but uh, it's you know you have to kind of there's a little bit of a dress code, you know, you kind of have to dress a little sharply, and and you know the ticket price is a little bit up there, but um, it's definitely exclusive. It, it it's a nice event, and it's indoors thankfully and uh you know you get to, you get to really meet um i mean i met kim jordan from new belgium there lots of like you know big people it's not just some you know rep that they send or some volunteer i mean you're really talking to the people behind these beers uh you know i got to meet sam calagione there uh, i think i might have met garrett oliver there could be wrong uh but uh, just a really cool event, and you know, I, th- I think everyone should have it on their list to check out at least once. I, I don't see going back to it, but it's a really well put on festival. Uh, I have not been to Saver. It's definitely one that I want to go to. I think I talked a little bit about that on I think the Bucket List show. Um, I, I've I've been to GABF as an attendee and as a. Uh, a brewery uh, that's pouring there. And I, I think that the first time going there as an attendee, it's it's so awe-inducing because you walk into that grand hall, which is now even bigger. Uh, even at that time, it was huge to just be like, whoa, look at all this. Right. And we had a great time. And even my, my first time pouring there, it was a good time. Um, and I, I think that everyone should do it at least once in their life if they really like beer, but it's, it's so big. It's almost intimidating. I, I think now, um, so I, I don't know if I would consider those one of my favorites. I actually really like, um, the festivals that, uh, beer advocate puts on, uh, like extreme beer fest, uh, I've attended and poured, at that festival i've poured at that festival a number of times and uh i know that the the brothers have a have a reputation online that isn't necessarily positive to a lot of people but 
God damn it, if they don't uh, take care of the the Brewers there, like I, I've they've always been nothing but nice to to me. They come around and thank every brewery individually for for coming out. Uh, they have tons of volunteers there to uh, give you a break if you uh, need to go to the bathroom, grab a bite to eat, or just want to go and grab some beers. Um, they one of the best things they ever did was when they made brewery private bathrooms i was like so happy about that but then last year uh, i went just as an attendee to their funk festival in boston i was like sour festival i'm all about that i asked the fiance you want to go she's like yeah sure weekend in boston sounds fun drinking some sour beers and it was a great time it was at the old site uh old site of uh the uh Extreme Beer Fest at the Cyclonorama, so it was small, uh, intimate, not too crowded, lines, I think Russian River was probably the longest line there, and it wasn't, I think we got a pour within like three minutes. Uh, um, so that's, anything that I've been to that the brewer, or that Beer Advocate has put on, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I agree. The, the Beer Advocate festivals are great. Uh, the Belgian Beer Fest that they put on, uh, the year I went to pour, it was in, in Maine. Yeah. Um, and it was great. Uh, awesome old warehouse, really, really cool vibe. Uh, those guys do know how to put on a great beer festival. Extreme's always been fun. Um, say virtual is one of my favorites. Um, I really like personally, when you look at outside of the brewery world, um, Big Beers in Belgium, which is in Colorado. And it's in a tiny convention room, and it is very brewer-centric, but it is extremely crafty. I sort of relate it to a, a field of beers or river beers where it's a who's who. The, the spots close a year in advance. Um, really, really fun festival. It that's the one up in the mountains, Correct, right? yeah. I want to say it's a... Yeah. Breckenridge or something? They moved it to Breckenridge. The last year I went, I think it was in Aspen, uh, Vale, one of one of those mountain communities. They actually outgrew... Feel free to correct yeah, us. Yeah, they outgrew the facility and had to move it to Breckenridge the past two years, I believe. Um, great festival. Amazing festival. It looks like a good time. When you look at brewery festivals... Boulevardia, uh, which is put on by Boulevard, oh, shit, was yeah. one of my favorite. Those guys were awesome hosts. Um, and then one that's near and dear to my heart is Hunapu Day. Um, been to every single one of them, either as a patron or as an employee. And I feel like that festival, while it has had some interesting stories come out of it, um, <laughs> is honestly one of the best, if not the best, in the Southeast. It's sort of the extreme beer festival of the Southeast. And um, yeah, I, I, I love that one. It, it's near and dear to my heart for many personal and professional reasons. Same here. Day also, I think, just has a, a special meaning to like the three of us and and a number of other people because of we just make a, a a fun weekend out of it we don't even get like crazy we don't go to like the cycle event or, or anything like that it's just hanging out with friends going to with the tampa tap uh house uh drinking spritzes listening to adele watching 
uh, b- like bad infomercials. We always come up with some dumb little thing that becomes the whole point of the the whole weekend's focus and have a great time. And Hanapu Day is wrapped in there, and we have a good time with that. But it almost becomes a secondary thing uh, at points. Uh, to just having a great weekend in Tampa with uh, all of our friends. I feel like a total asshole for not thinking of Boulevardia, but it's like nine in the morning, so whatever. Um, I yeah, I that was easily the greatest festival I've ever been a part of. I mean, I tell the story all the time that you know people, so many employees of Boulevard because it's such a huge company, they'd come over and talk to you and and you know uh, ask you about your beer, try your beer, just you know kind of shoot the shit. And they were so polite and hospitable and, and just welcoming. And then you'd have other people coming up to the table going, thank you for being here. Like, oh, you work here? What do you do? Uh, no, they're just, they're just attendees and they're thanking you for being at their festival. I mean, just the nicest people in the world. Such an amazing event. Um, and then that whole like party afterward with like the Ferris wheel. And I think George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic were, it was amazing. It was just unbelievable. Um, and then Phil, you're absolutely right about Honopu, like, both personally and professionally for me because, you know, we would just go every year together or, or meet you there. You know, you'd be working them and, and, you know, they've definitely gone from like, you know, kind of the small, you know, festival, but still very hyped and, and well attended to just like blowing up. I mean, now it's in a football stadium. Uh, hockey stadium. <clears throat> oh, it's indoors? it's indoors, so weather oh, weather and temperature controlled, um, and hanging out on the ice after a lightning game. And uh, also just to be a part of that 60 Brewery collab a few years ago, you know, that Honopu Day IPA, I mean, that was, I felt like such a nobody there. I mean, just every, and I was a nobody, but I mean, it was just such an amazing experience. I, I remember you... Because uh, you and I were both there pouring that that year for the brewery, uh, our previous brewery, and you wanted to get there right at Mash In. You were so stoked and excited to to be a part of that, and uh, like, uh, even though we didn't have to be there that early, and I was like, part of me was like, I don't want to be there that early. I was like, you know what? You're super excited about this. Like, why should I uh, get in the way of of that? And uh, I I thought that that was an awesome experience to to be a part of that that festival because of that. Before we move to our favorite what not to do, I will say always check out your local Brewers Guild, State Brewers Guild, because typically they put on some really good festivals as well. And uh, we have one coming up in Florida. The Florida Brewers Guild is putting on their beer festival in a few weeks. And um, that's honestly, when you talk about camaraderie, that really is the cream of the crop because every brewer shows up, key players show up. You get to actually meet the brewers from the actual breweries. And most of the time, and I say most of the time, brewers are very happy to support their local um, Brewers Guild. So go out, support your local Brewers Guild at any state level. Look to see if they have their beer festivals. Ours is coming up in a few weeks in Tampa. Um, it's the Saturday. Sponsor of the show. Uh, the Saturday before Hunapu Day. So um, get out there, kick off Tampa Bay Beer Week right with the Florida Brewers Guild. 
unitedwedrink.com slash guildfest. Buy your tickets. And you can get your tickets there. Um, Mike, what are what's what's your favorite thing not to do at a beer festival? Maybe top two. As as a how? Like as a as a patron, yeah, let's go patron. Let's brewery. go let's go rules not to do as a patron so that you don't look like, as my seven year old child would say, a noob. <laughs> uh don't don't drink water. Uh people who don't hydrate throughout those things or don't eat during those things because a lot of them have food vendors there too and at jupiter uh you have uh the leftovers uh and food shack uh trailers uh making amazing food we were right next to them and had all the great smells coming from their tent uh coming over to us uh, eat something stay hydrated like Though, if you have rinse stations, don't just rinse your glass out with that. Drink that that water and stay hydrated. Like you have no idea what you're doing to yourself by not doing that. Uh, I'm I'm trying to make a list here off to the side because I feel like there's so many things. I mean, it's 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 you know four hours of consuming alcohol, so etiquette just goes right out the window. And one thing. <laughs> One thing you shouldn't do is just don't pregame. I can understand if you're like around the corner, you know, at the bar waiting for the festival to open and you do a shot of JMO or something. But, you know, I've seen pe- cases like cases of Coors Light in line. Like, why? You, you really have to prime that pump? Like, let's, you got four to five hours of drinking ahead of you. You know, <laughs> Phil, Phil's not. I mean, we used to before um, Jupiter back in the day. I know, we also I, I, were not that smart back no, then. No, no, we weren't. I did I did have pockets in my cargo shorts full of Founders Breakfast Out back in like 2011 or something. <laughs> I do remember that one. Yeah. yeah, but, uh, you know, if you're an attendee, definitely don't block the line. Don't, like, get to the table and just, uh, you know, monopolize whoever's serving, you know, their time. It's cool to ask questions, you know, like... Get you know, ask for what you want. Get your sample. Kind of step off to the side if you want to talk to somebody, but let everybody behind you through. And and of course, this just devolves as the hours go by and people consume more. But you know, don't. I know you can do what you want to do and all that, but really don't untap your whole way through a festival. Like you're drinking two ounce samples in mostly dirty cups for four hours like this is not the place to rate and review um by the end of it you're gonna have palate fatigue and i get if you want to remember what you're trying and maybe go check out that brewery at another time or something like that but it's not the place to to be a critic yeah it's it's really not the place to be a critic um and if, if you're a salesperson just please fuck off we've we've got people to serve like I had this guy, it, it just, I'm in the middle of pouring and he comes over trying, he's like, have you heard about Oreos and beer? And I'm like, do you know where you are? This is South Florida. Like it, it's a core brand for half of us. And he's like, well, like I represent so as a, and like wants to give me samples and everything as if I can't just get Oreos at the Seven Eleven around the corner. So like I just I don't feel it's I understand like a lot of people yeah I I've been approached by like brewery insurance people brewery finance people merch people and like I I get some of that 
but it's really not the place to like try and sell me shit. If you're going to do that, I, do I, have the same um, approach that maybe you have as a person that's inquiring about the brewery just in questions. Get your sample, stand off to the side, give them your sample like, hey, here's your koozie, here's you know, my business card, here's this. Just wanted to introduce myself. I sell brewery insurance. Um, you know, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Something like that goes a million times further than if you're standing on the side trying to hound me because I had typically yeah. have a line of 15 people and I'm trying to give the best customer service to everyone there, not just you. Yeah. Because for some people, this is their first experience of trying my beer. Um, and I want it to be a positive thing because beer is very situational where maybe I come across as a, you know, asshole and you all of a sudden don't like my beer because the guy that served it to you was a jerk because I was trying to listen to a sales pitch from, you know, insurance company X. I forgot all about that. That happens at, at yeah. fests quite often. And another thing is a lot of times people at these festivals pouring are not those decision makers that need to be talking to you and you still hound them. They might be a sales rep for the brewery or a bartender for the brewery. The owner might not even be there. The manager who makes those decisions, probably not there. So stop bugging those people in those cases. How about if you are a salesperson, I'll give you a little bit of a free advice. Go to your local state brewers guild and advertise through your local state brewers guild because that's the best way to impact the decision makers at your local craft brewery. Plain and yeah. simple. Or industry have your members, own. Yeah. If, if your business is industry related, I mean, have a booth there. Even better. Uh, my yeah. my do nots, uh, stop with the pretzel necklaces. I'm tired of them. <laughs> Nobody eats them. This is at, after at, I said At eat. some point in time, they just become a fashion thing, and I don't want to see you sweating all over your soggy pretzel necklace. Um, and it's not cute if you attach a Slim Jim to it or a cheese stick that is sitting out in the Florida <laughs> sun baking. Um, nobody <laughs> wants that. You're rancid. You smell. Please stop doing that. Um, outside of that, I would say... Um, I think you guys touched on all of them. It's really the pretzel necklace that kills me still. Um, it really is. It, I just don't comprehend it. I've never done it. Um, eat, but don't eat that. That's gross. There was a guy at the Jupiter Fest who was a walking charcuterie board. I saw that. Like, that was had, witty. I liked had it. Cheeses it was different, and meats but and... I wouldn't eat it because it's sitting out in the sun. It's gross. Yeah. And there's also don'ts for breweries too. Like, don't overpour everyone just so you can get out of there. Like, if you don't want to be there, don't go. But I mean, you you legit have some breweries who are, you know, if if it might be like a five ounce or six ounce cup, and there's a little two ounce line where you're supposed to pour it to, and they're just topping everyone off so they can kick the beer and get the hell out of there. I mean, we know that happens. Oh yeah. It doesn't always work, too, on uh, getting you out of there fast. I've seen people who do that, and they're there the entire fest. Festival organizers, loud music is one of my major pet peeves. I, I don't like yeah. loud yeah. music because I have to scream on top of it. I would almost prefer a DJ playing you know, softer music 
and have fun. You know, like play something. I don't need the latest, greatest. Let the whole cover fest be band. silent. Disco. There we go. Perfect. Because then I can actually talk about my beer, and I only have the crowd volume to actually compete with. Um, I think that there is a need for some music because it adds to the atmosphere. But it doesn't have to be, you know, the the cover band playing Smash Mouth's greatest hit. Notice singular and greatest if, hit. <laughs> and if you're the brewery at, at the booth closest to the stage, it's just a living hell. Oh, That's yeah. how you know uh, the organizer likes to... you. <laughs> I think that that's a pretty good spot to to finish up on on beer fest. Anyone want to have uh, one quick other word before uh, we we move on? I just think everybody needs to pace themselves and you know give breweries a try that you may not be familiar with. You know, don't just go to the usual suspects. Don't run to the hype stuff. Like you you're gonna find a lot of hidden gems. Um, you know, so definitely try to. Plan your day as best as you can. Usually they give you a little map of like, you know, where everybody is and, and you know, kind of broaden your horizons. Try some new stuff and uh, don't don't take it too seriously. Don't feel like you need to rate everything. That actually reminds me of a great story. Phil was there with me at GABF when we went there as a, attendees. We thought we were in line for Upland to try some of their sours, but we were actually uh, in line for Upstream. We were right next to them and we're like, oh, uh, we're at your table. So I'll have uh, the your grand crew. It was probably one of the best beers that I had that day. And it was all by accident by uh, going and trying someone who I'd never heard yep. of before. And I think it's still a top 10 beer for me overall. Like that is a beer that I truly, truly enjoyed. I remember going back multiple times for that beer that, that year. Yeah. How do you guys feel about breweries who post photos of the lines they have it's it's kind of patting yourself on the back very vigorously to an extent i'm sorry i didn't understand the question (laughs) (laughs) i just feel like people should act like they've been there before yeah well it's time for last calls gentlemen our uh our point where we get to voice off on uh, something unopposed and uninterrupted. I'll kick things off here because I have something just very quick and easy I want to say and positive. I want to thank friend of the show, Lance White from FRW Studios. Uh, He sent me over some uh, mock-up stuff that I can use uh, that he had handy for some 16-ounce can stuff. You are such an awesome dude. I wish we had more people like you in the industry. Uh, we've never met in person. I can't wait to someday be able to sit down and have a beer with you and, uh, talk beer, talk design. Um, cheers to you, man. I appreciate all the, all the help that you've given me and to the show as being also a, uh, sometimes sponsor of the show. So thanks Lance. Uh, Joel. Uh, this goes to uh, kind of a conversation you and I and some others were having last night, Mike. Uh, it's about pets. And uh, as I started thinking about it, uh, thanks to the edible I had, uh, I don't understand pets that don't have like emotional connections or can like, like you don't come home to your fish and they're happy to see you. I don't understand these kind of pets like a turtle is a fucking rock with feet. Like it's 
you know, it's not going to wag its tail and like, you know, want you to take it. I don't, I don't understand these fucking pets. Get a dog or a cat. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Phil. A few weeks ago, I brought up my excitement for uh, the new football league coming in the XFL because I had hope that the Tampa Bay Vipers were going to be um, a glimmer or a ray of sunshine in the state of Florida after years of supporting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a losing franchise um, outside of that handful of years that they were actually good. I was wrong. The Vipers are just, it's the Scooby-Doo character, like, oh, we're going to take the mask off and see who it is. Oh, it's the Buccaneers. Um, it's like Buccaneer. <laughs> it's been one or two Buccaneer games. light. Um, they still haven't scored an offensive touchdown in two games. They finally scored their first touchdown. McFadden intercepted it, ran it back for a pick six. Yes, I have watched both games. I do know the players' names. I am currently wearing the hat. Um, I'm really... I, I hope I'm heading to the game this upcoming weekend. So if you're in Tampa and you're listening to this on Thursday, I will be at the game on Saturday. Um, feel free to tweet me or uh, hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to share a beer with you. Um, heading out with the Cigar City crew and supporting our local team. I really hope they can turn it around because the last thing I need to do is cheer for a third losing football franchise, even though FAU has sort of turned it around a little bit lately. Uh, which actually, Phil, you saying during that about tweet you or hit you up on Instagram, I realized that the last number of episodes, I haven't given anyone a chance to plug anything. So uh, I will go ahead and do that now. Phil, do you want to plug yeah, you your can follow me Twitter? DoSpiriGhost on Twitter. Uh, my Instagram handle, which I will pass out now, is ppalmasano 77 MySpace is still active. Uh. <laughs> and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn. Joel? I am Florida D-U-H Brewer on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I'm Mike Loves Beer on both of those as well. And uh, you can catch the show on our Twitter at United We Drink. We're on Instagram at United We Drink Pod. We're on Facebook as well. That does it here for this episode. Uh, we will be back next week with a mini episode. And then in two weeks... Our main episode, we'll be talking about competitions, beer competitions. In the meantime, go buy a shirt, sticker, or button from our web store, unitedwedrink.com slash store. Subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever fine podcasts are found. For these two gentlemen, we will see you next week. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.